Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for Tuesday, April 19th, as the Flyers' final six games will continue tonight when they are in Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs at 7 o'clock, first of back-to-back home games. Uh, Thursday night, they'll be in Montreal to take on uh, the Canadians and then back home at Wells Fargo Center on Sunday, 4 o'clock, to take on the Penguins. Then Chicago on the road on the 25th, Winnipeg on the 27th, and they'll wrap up the season coming up on the 29th against the Ottawa Senators. And we'll get to the offseason and see what that has in store for the Philadelphia Flyers. Obviously a very important offseason, something we've talked quite a bit about here on the podcast. Bill Meltzer and I did a big segment on it in yesterday's episode, so if you missed that, you can go back and check out that uh, appearance from Bill Meltzer on yesterday's edition of Flyers Daily. But like I said, it's the Flyers and the Leafs tonight in Toronto, and Toronto's a team playing really good hockey right now. They may be peaking at the right time. Perhaps they can end that 18-year drought of not winning a playoff series. Matter of fact, in their last 12 games, their record is 10-1-1. They have a 61 goals for, which is over 5 per game, 5.08 to be exact. Power play is clicking at a 25.5%, which is actually down on their overall percent for the year. They lead the NHL in power play efficacy, and they are being led by Austin Matthews. Now, he hasn't scored a goal in his last three games, uh, but he's still been an incredibly effective player. As a matter of fact, over his last 11 games, he has 11 goals, 10 assists, 21 points in those 11 games. That's some serious production. Goal per game average. A point per game player is difficult enough, but goal per game is stunning. Now, he hasn't scored in his last three games. Did not get a goal against Buffalo, Washington, or Ottawa, and he is sitting on 58 goals on the season right now. So he'll look to get off the uh, schneid tonight. And that extended three-game goalless drought for him, 58 goals on the season, 44 assists, 102 points in just 70 games. He is absolutely humming. He is in his prime right now. But even in those games when he didn't score, the, the game against Buffalo that they lost, he was actually held scoreless in that one. But in the next game against Washington where he didn't get a goal, he had two assists and had an assist also in the Ottawa game. Uh, So he is a player that you absolutely have to keep an eye on. They have a lot of talent with Marner, obviously, Tavares, and others on that team as well. On the season, Austin Matthews has 14 two or more goals, so multi-goal performances this season. He's also got four hat tricks on the season. Man, he is so dynamic and just such a great scorer. And when you look in the NHL, Since the 2018-19 season to this minute, Austin Matthews has played 260 games in that time. He's got 183 goals in 260 games. He leads the NHL. Leon Dreisaitl has played 24 more games than him, but has less goals at 178. Alexander Ovechkin, the greatest goal scorer I think I've ever seen, has played seven more games than Austin Matthews and has 13 less goals. Connor McDavid has played 13 more games than Austin Matthews and has 33 less goals. So what Austin Matthews is doing, I just want to put that into perspective, the way that he is scoring and the amount that he is scoring. And he's a guy that, I talked to some goalies, 
uh, guys that have faced him and, and other guys that have gotten a good look at him, maybe didn't face him. but And the reason why he's such a good scorer is he has an ability to get so much on every shot no matter where he releases it from. And he's a guy that does two things, disguises his release really well and constantly changes his release. So, you know, one shot you see from him, the puck may be, you know, 18 inches from his feet. The next time, it could be 22 inches from his feet. He gets the same on it and also changes the angle of his body, which changes the read for the goaltender. You know, pure goal scorers at that level, I don't even know if they can articulate it. This is what I firmly believe, that they have a sixth sense that can also tell when a goalie is leaning a certain way or ready to push to his right. They can, they know when, you know, the biophysics of a goaltender and they shoot against what those biophysics are saying. So if a goalie's going to push to his right and he's loaded on his on his left leg, he knows to shoot where he's go not where he's going, that's open right now, but where he's leaving. It's a sixth sense of being able to score. There's no other way to explain it, because all these guys can shoot the puck incredibly well. Some guys are just able to find the back of the net. And it's not because the shot's harder. It's not because the shot is more accurate. It's because you can disguise it at its release. That's the thing that messes the goalies up the most, is not being able to get a good read on where he's going with it. Coupled that with the fact that he can get so much on it in any shooting position he is in. I mean, he's a big guy, um, and he doesn't look maybe as big on the ice as he is, but he's a big, powerful guy, and he can shoot it, and he's got confidence. And to put up those kind of numbers, I mean, 183 goals in 260 games, and to be you know, in less games, seven less games than Ovechkin, and have 13 more goals, that's telling you something. I mean, to be in 24 less games than Dreisaitl and have five more goals, that's telling you something. The numbers and the goal-scoring ability right now that he is achieving are very rarefied air in the NHL. He's going to get the 60 before it's all said and done this season. Uh, He will, but... It's just amazing what he's been able to do over the last couple of years. I mean, if you go back and if you take one of those years out, you know, that was early in his career, the 2018-19 season. If you take that season out and go collectively from the 19-20 season, he plays 192 games and he's got 146 goals. Ten ten games less than Dreisaitl, but again, he's got 18 more goals in that period. Ovechkin's actually played six less games but only has 119 goals to his 146. These are astounding numbers. And, you know, if you like scoring, I I like the cat and mouse game between scorer and goaltender. And I just can't imagine what it would be like to see his release because you just never know when the puck's coming off. So Flyers will have to deal with that tonight. No easy task. And this, uh, this, this team in Toronto really humming right now. And, I mean, you look in the NHL, third highest point percentage in the league. They're averaging 3.86 goals per game. The power play leads the NHL at 27.8%. The PK clicks at 83%, which is also top 10, seventh in the NHL. So they're a team that if they can get the goaltending in the playoffs and a bounce when you need a bounce, 
then maybe they can go on a run, but we shall see. So Flyers and the Leafs tonight. Now, one of the questions I asked in yesterday's episode when I was talking to Bill, and maybe it was even Saturday's as well, after the Flyers had that awful second period uh, against the Buffalo Sabres that was eerily reminiscent of that second period against Anaheim the week prior. Well, you know, I'm asking, where does that fault lie? Is it a coach thing? Is it a player thing? Is it something where you need to burn some sage and have some sort of seance and get this characteristic out of the team system? What is it? How, you know, you try to figure out what the, how the problem manifests itself before you can fix it. Where is the problem? So Joel tweeted in and he said, on today's episode, Easter, you asked, what is the problem with second periods? And he said, my question is, what are the players eating pregame and during the first intermission? Is there a nutritional component to the lack of energy and mental focus that is lacking on some occasions? When everything is changed from GMs down to the players, you need to start looking deep. Thanks for your time. I think it's an interesting element. And, you know, obviously they do have nutritionists and they do prescribe what they eat pregame and the shakes and all that stuff. I, I'm not, I don't know it in great detail, but I know that is a component. But the only th- rebuttal I think I would have, Joel, with that is that last year it wasn't second periods. Last year it was first periods. And they actually did shake up their routine a little bit from when they arrived to the rink and go through meetings and all that stuff to, to try and break it. Uh, so last year it was first periods, and the second periods were actually good. But this year, the first periods have been good, but the second periods have been their worst period by far. So I, I don't know if that plays into it or not, but I like the way you're thinking that you want to figure this out. You want to put yourself in an advantageous position for every element of the game, right down to the nutrition, when you eat, when you have your intake of caffeine, if you do so, or whatever it might be. When you have a, a pregame massage, some players do that, some don't. So I, th- I like the way you're thinking, but I don't know that that's it because it seems like they have just subbed one period for the next period. And, you know, that's the frustrating part. You kind of fix the first period problems of getting behind in games. And then now you get up in games and you find a way to squander it in a really weak period being the second period this year. And talking to Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic yesterday on my Stick to Hockey Live show, it, you know, it's kind of like sticking your fingers in the hole of a dam. Like you put your finger in one hole, then another hole pops up. And then eventually you just run out of fingers. So how, how to fix this issue uh, is going to be task of whoever the coach is next season. That's going to be a big element of it. But I don't know that it's a coach's fault issue. A coach will be tasked with fixing it. And maybe that starts in training camp and mentality. And look, I understand that at this point in the season, with six games to go, in what has been a miserable year for 96% of it. And it gets hard to come to the rink. And it gets hard to put on the gear and go out there with nothing really to play for other than your pride and spill it every night. These are pros, and they should. But there is a human element here, too. And I get that. And I get that there's injured players. And I get that there's a lot of young guys in the lineup. But it's just those traits, that trait and some of the other traits, like four guys going off on a line change on the one goal in the game on Sunday night bothered me. Because it's a hockey 101 play. 
You know, the puck was not chipped deep into the Buffalo zone on that play. Darlene gathered it at the red line, backed up just beyond the red line, and recoiled as the Flyers, four guys headed off the ice. Two of those guys I could see. Lawton was already there. JVR was already there. But the two other guys, you can't come flying across the ice from the left side and change. You know, those kind of things can't happen. And I don't care that the games don't mean anything. And again, it's not about the result for me right now. It's about being a pro and not making those mistakes. Because if those mistakes are acceptable now, then people tend to think that those mistakes are acceptable when things are on the line. And look, that might not be next year, but down the line, you, you have to play the game in a diligent manner all the time. That's what professional sports is all about. That's why it has bothered me. So, look, they have six games left. At this point, I'm not expecting mistakes like this to not happen because of all the things I just said, but I'd like to see them minimized. You know, it's weird because the other reason it bothers me is because a couple of weeks ago, it seemed like after the trade deadline that it was a new beginning and some of the old things from the past, and this has nothing to do with Giroux or Braun or Broussard or anybody that was traded. It just seemed like, okay, it's a new beginning and we can put all that stuff in the rearview mirror and whether the team's good or not, but was not really the point, but just the point was that they're not going to suffer the same mistakes that they've been suffering the last couple of years. And some of them well beyond that. But in the last week, the last calendar week, since that Anaheim game, they've reared their head. That Columbus game on that Thursday night, they got that 4-1 win. That was as clean a win as they've had all year. And then that Saturday night, the Anaheim game happened. Then they lost 9-2 against the Washington Capitals. Then they got shut out by the Rangers. Then they lost a home-and-home with Buffalo. You know, you'd like to come into the offseason or right down the stretch here of the season and feel a little bit better. I mean, if they don't get a win in one of these final six games, you're riding another double-digit losing streak into the offseason. And that's hard for any of us to deal with right now. So what happens tonight? Tough opponent tonight. It's not easy in Toronto. Really good team. You get Montreal on Thursday. They've been playing much better, but still not a great team. Pittsburgh this weekend. Chicago, not good. Winnipeg, I think they're better than their record indicates, but still not having a great season. And then Ottawa. They have a chance to feel a little bit better. What are they going to do in these final six games? Starts tonight. We'll see. Uh, And we'll break down Flyers Leafs on tomorrow. Brand new episode of Flyers Daily. So enjoy the hockey tonight. And uh, like I said, we'll break down the Flyers Leafs tomorrow on a brand new episode of Flyers Daily. I'm thinking why?